APU. American Public University is proud to present Innovations in the Workplace. Welcome to the podcast Innovations in the Workplace. I'm your host, Wanda Curley. Today we are going to be chatting about artificial intelligence, space logistics, and supply chain in this space area. There is a lot of activity now within NASA and SpaceX. The International Space Station has been staffed for many years. Space logistics is an absolute necessity. My guest is Dr. Robert Gordon, who is a program director at American Public University in the areas of military management, reverse logistics, and government contracting and acquisition. He also has many years of experience with supply chain in industry, including Disney, Crystal Cruises, Secor, Viking Cruises, to name a few. Robert, welcome back to Innovations in the Workplace, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, Juan. It's always good to be here. I think that we have a very exciting topic this week, and I really look forward to discussing it with you and obviously with the audience. Absolutely, absolutely. We just saw a commercial rocket take two NASA astronauts to the International Space Station and come back safely. It is exciting to see this partnership. However, I would expect supply chain for space must be quite intricate and interesting. How do you see artificial intelligence helping with predicting the supply chain needs for space? Well, artificial intelligence definitely plays a role, and artificial intelligence is clearly being utilized in the design phase of the manned and unmanned flights that we're dealing with the International Space Station. Clearly, there's a lot of information that needs to be reviewed, and what people don't remember is that for all these successes that have happened recently, there have been many failures in the past. So every time there's a failure, an incident, be it an unmanned flight or a test flight, there's a lot of data that needs to be crunched through to really kind of come up with what is the solutions to avoid those problems in the future. And this is where AI is very helpful because there's so much data now with the telemetry that's gathered from these rockets that people need to take a look at it and crunch through it to figure out and precisely identify the area of failure. Keeping in mind that it might not be a single point of failure, you may be looking at a, a multiple incident or a cascade that causes the problem. So artificial intelligence helps kind of go through that data, find the information, make those design corrections, and kind of keeps things moving along. Obviously, people are involved as well, and, and people are reviewing it, but with all that information, one of the things that you see with SpaceX is that they're very fast about being able to recover from an incident. You know, in the past, where it was months to years, they are in weeks to months. They have a problem, they work it, they figure out what the problem was, and then they make the correction. So artificial intelligence is clearly helping with those flights to get us to these uh, manned flights by looking at the successes and the failures of the unmanned tests as well as uh, the unmanned flights. That's quite interesting because I know NASA's had its problems in the past, and I'm sure they learned from it. And they may have even used artificial intelligence 20 years ago, but artificial intelligence now is, is so much faster than it was in the past. And of course, as you said, the human has to do the value add. They've got to make the final decision. Artificial intelligence can give you patterns and visuals and recommendations. But again, as you said, it's finally the human that does that. 
So do you think SpaceX used artificial intelligence to help design its rockets as well? Yes. In the design process, clearly they're, they're using artificial intelligence to look at different options and different models. I know in, in particular there was one test flight that was a failure. They went back and they made one single adjustment to one mathematical equation before the next flight, and then that flight went smoothly. So sometimes it's a matter of figuring out precisely the uh, area or the problem. It may seem very small. You know, they indicated that the calculation error wasn't considered a problem, but they made the change to make sure that, you know, it eliminated that potential. So really, humans are certainly looking and, and monitoring this and helping, but when it comes to these uh, very difficult mathematical calculations, AI is certainly being involved in looking at not only the possibilities, but also the probabilities. Wow, that's fascinating. So how are supplies dealt with for flights with people? How about unmanned flights, and does AI play a role in this? Yes, absolutely. What's happened is, and again, the successes of this band flight kind of has overshadowed all the uh, successful unmanned flights that have occurred before this. Before the rockets and the systems were approved for human flight, there had already been a number of unmanned flights that were going to the International Space Station with SpaceX rockets. And for a lot of that, you know, again, there's artificial intelligence being involved with the design, but also to some degree with troubleshooting, as well as also with to some degree with piloting and monitoring. Even in the Crew Dragon that carried the individuals up to the space station, the crew acknowledged that the entire system and rocket and the entire voyage could have been done on the ground. Although they were clearly there to be there to help if there are any problems or unseen issues, if a standard mission goes as it should, everything could be done by the ground. And between uh, the people on the ground and artificial intelligence, they could just go on like an unmanned drone. Hmm, interesting. So do you see manned flights decreasing and unmanned flights increasing, or will it be still a mixture? It's going to be a mix. Um, it's going to continue to be a mix. However, I do see that the manned flights will increase. And the reason being is now that there's a another potential provider to uh, send uh, items up into space through SpaceX, there's going to be a lot more opportunity for people to go up there and come back. Remember, in the past, the Russian Space Agency had the lock on human space travel with their Suyas capsule. And so not having any other options makes launches difficult. Now that SpaceX is a player in the game, it's going to increase the opportunities. In addition, remember that SpaceX is working on the, the entire concept of reusability of rockets, which is something that other nations haven't been able to conquer, particularly on the, on the manned flight. So the opportunity cost there to send people up and down from the International Space Station, given the reusability of the rockets and the equipment, makes it a lot cheaper than a single-use rocket. And so I suspect with the lower cost is going to come a greater demand and greater number of people going back and forth between the International Space Station. And if you listen to Elon Musk, you know, he has the opinion of going to Mars, which will obviously increase flights as well. I can't imagine doing supplies and logistics for Mars. That would be an interesting concept. 
Yeah, very interesting. You know, I, I read some things recently that SpaceX was saying that they'd need a about a hundred of their uh, heavy rockets to go to Mars to carry the supplies necessary to put a small base there. So if you can imagine, okay, you know, one rockets or call it two or three rockets are going to carry you know, maybe a dozen people, but now you're going to need a hundred other rockets for all the supplies and equipment and everything else to support them during that time. Um, it gives you an idea of the importance of the logistics. Right. And you wonder how they would get back home or if they are moving to Mars permanently. Well, it would be a pretty long-term thing because I understand that when the planets line up, the voyage is, you know, I think it's like 10, 12 months mm -hmm. transit time. Right. So it's not a short trip at all. Right. So what has been the biggest innovation in space logistics recently and why is this important? I kind of touched on it already, which is the innovation of reusability. Right now, by opening up the entire reusability concept for rockets, for the capsules, for all the elements involved with space travel, really is going to cut the cost. Because if you think about it, if you were to, to have to sell tickets on a plane that would fly from London to L.A. once and divide the cost of everyone on the plane between the cost of that plane, obviously it, it's going to be millions and millions of dollars per person for a ticket. Now, when you look at rockets, which no longer are, are just a one-shot issue, you can reuse a rocket over and over again. There's uh, rockets that are currently in use that are reaching uh, the double digits in uses. So obviously that decreases your per unit cost, which then makes everything a lot cheaper and, and everything a lot more uh, reasonable to do other things. Yeah, that is true. I mean, because a plane is used over and over. So I can see where the reusability of rockets also makes it quite affordable, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So space logistics for the ISS or International Space Station, I imagine is quite intricate. How is AI making the job easier? And we talked a little bit about long-term planning is needed. So how does AI help with the long-term planning? Well, on the, on the long-term planning, you know, obviously it's another tool that people use in order for modeling for different systems, for different tests. There's also already on the International Space Station, there is a uh, AI there to assist uh, and to speak to the astronauts up there to assist with different tasks. And so that's already in progress. And the intent there is that, you know, as these AIs become better trained and better knowledgeable about the systems on the International Space Station and interacting with the astronauts, it'll become a more helpful tool. Just as AI started out, you know, uh, people t try to make AI to, to play chess. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning, you had simple chess programs that simply played chess and they got better and better until now AI chess programs can beat human grandmasters. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it makes me think back to the movie uh, 2010, A Space Odyssey with Hal. It could be uh, at some point there is a Hal on the International Space Station or in the rockets that go to Mars. I would agree. I think that it's going to become part of the array of items that are going to be available I think that uh, it's going to be a tool, it's going to be a system that really is going to help astronauts uh, in many different ways. I would agree, even if it's just a chat, because I can imagine sometimes there's uh, downtime and you may not have anybody to chat with, so chatting with a chatbot would be all right. And that's one of the things they're looking at as well with the artificial intelligence there, not only as a tool, but also as a potential companion, because as we kind of discussed on that very long journey to Mars, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be in a very small area for an extended period of time. 
And so having a, another interaction may be very important to individuals given the uh, circumstances of being kind of in a very confined space for extended periods of time. Yeah. So AI sometimes works with IoT. And I'm wondering if AI is working with any IoT on the International Space Station, such as 3D printers, to help space logistics. Well, certainly there's an, uh, already a, at least two 3D printers up on the International Space Station, which are being linked back, obviously, to the space station, but also to on ground. And the big opportunity there with the uh, 3D printing is the fact that you can create new parts as needed given uh, the situation uh, on board. So if, for example, something were to break and you didn't have a spare, you'd be able to get the engineering diagrams from NASA, who would then be able to uh, create that and print that item on the International Space Station, which could then be used to enact the repair. So it creates the opportunity there of having these items available in a short period of time without having to take up the precious commodity of space. Yeah, that makes sense. And I can think in the future, sort of like on Star Trek, you have a replicator that makes you food. I can see that happening, you know, in the future. I don't see it happening in five years, but maybe in 10 to 15 years where AI can, through a replicator, make you food. Well, that's entirely possible. And there are some 3D printers that can print food already. Now, generally, what ends up happening is a 3D printer will print food that needs to be cooked. So it's not quite as efficient as a, a replicator. But it is showing that the need of the, the IoT, because you're going to need to interface a lot of different things. For example, as you mentioned, cooking, you would have to interface then the 3D printer that's going to be creating that food. It's going to have to then integrate to an oven or a microwave or some device to cook the items. So you're going to have to have everything linked via the Internet. And then if you go backwards in the supply chain, you know, all the materials going into that food would need to be refrigerated or stored somewhere. So you're going to need a call it an IoT refrigerator that would be connected to some device that would move those products to the IoT printer that would then print the food, which would then move it to the uh, oven or microwave that would cook the food. And then to do your replicator concept, you would then have to transport that from the oven or area to the place of serving the individual. Oh, it's almost like a restaurant, so to speak. So to speak, exactly. It's the same concepts, same supply chain, except it's going to be all integrated with the Internet of Things because all the devices are communicating and being aware of what the next step is and what the entire process is. Today we are speaking with Dr. Robert Gordon about artificial intelligence and space logistics. We will be back in just a few minutes. At American Public University, we believe that everyone should have access to a great education. It's not a privilege reserved for the few. And we believe higher education must come with lower tuition. Because when more doors open, more lives change. American Public University. Within reach, without limits. Online classes start every month. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Dr. Robert Gordon on space logistics and artificial intelligence. We just were talking about replicating food, how that might be done in the future. But let's switch topics a little bit. In the past, only nations have been able to afford space exploration. But now there are several private enterprises that have been able to achieve space travel. What will happen in the future and how will this change space logistics? Well, what you're seeing is that there's a number of different 
companies, private entities that are looking at different space items. For example, SpaceX is already known because they had the manned flight to the International Space Station. There's also Blue Origin, which is under Amazon, which is also doing uh, rockets and launches and is also working on reusability. And then you have Virgin Galactic, which is a slightly different venture because unlike Blue Origin and SpaceX, they aren't necessarily looking for a large NASA contract. They completely want to go down the road of being a private enterprise funded through individuals that are booking space on board their spacecraft. So you are seeing a number of different companies that have the wherewithal to afford space exploration. You're also seeing uh, smaller than in the past uh, nations uh, moving forward with space programs. Israel has a space program. India has a space program. So you're seeing nations that may not have been traditionally in the space business also looking uh, to move. Now, what you're seeing with this private industry shift is that they no longer are kind of tethered to a particular nation. And so the question then becomes, you know, as they expand and do more things, what are they under? You know, right now, Blue Origin has, as well as SpaceX, has agreements with NASA and other NASA subsuppliers. But, uh, for example, Virgin Galactic has no such ties with any uh, space agency. And so the question becomes, what happens when there's an incident? Does it fall upon the nation? Does it fall upon the private individual? Interesting. I, I never thought about that, but you're right. At least when SpaceX and NASA are together, if there were an incident, then it would be looked at. But if Virgin Galactica has an incident, yeah, who's responsible for it? That is an interesting concept. Do you foresee in the future, since we have a few companies out there, private enterprises that are doing different aspects of space, do you see agencies like NASA going out with a contract, government contract, asking for supply chain up to the International Space Station? Yes, and you're already seeing a private enterprise already kind of stepping up in different areas. Although, again, you know, NASA kind of controls the launch facilities for larger rockets in the U.S., there are other launch facilities in private hands, mm -hmm. for example, that support the European Space Agency. You also have the fact that Virgin Galactic has worked with private industry to, to, to build a spaceport for their ship that will go up into space. And so now you're starting to see some supply chain infrastructure to support rockets and launches happening in the hands of private industry, you know, no longer nations, no longer is it the launch facilities in, in Russia, U.S., and China are the only ones uh, that are available. Interesting. Uh, so as more companies come forward with different supply chains for space, I can see that becoming very competitive in the future. Absolutely. And then the question becomes, as it becomes more competitive and as there are more options, does private enterprise necessarily have to tie itself to the nation of origin, i.e., does SpaceX need to launch from the U.S.? Does Blue Origin need to launch from the U.S.? Can they launch from another location? Yeah, that would be kind of interesting to see how that would play out, um, because it might be cheaper for them to launch in Europe versus the U.S. Agreed. Or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. It will be interesting to see if in 10 years, if smaller companies can also do some aspect of supply chain to the space or even the full supply chain. 
because I'm sure it's going to get cheaper as time goes on. Agreed. As the cost does go down and as reusability is going to be explored and utilized by more entities, the opportunity and and actual cost is going to go down. And so you could see smaller uh, organizations or companies or even possibly individuals being able to afford launches. You already see this shift in happening where, you know, satellites are being built by much smaller and smaller companies in order to remain competitive, as well as being done in many more nations than ever before. Mm -hmm. It's going to get crowded up there in space. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Given all the cyber incidents that have happened in the world recently, how will space be protected in the future? Well, it's clear that there needs to be protection, and it's clear that incidents that have been happening on the planet are going to migrate into space and to places there. And even uh, recently, uh, Colonel Casey Beard, One of the authors of the Space Power Doctrine, who's part of Space Force, has mentioned and identified that space mobility and logistics is one of the core competencies that Space Force is striving for, which in my mind is telling me, well, if you have a group that clearly understands logistics and clearly understands security, it's going to be only a matter of time before there's going to be an incident that is uh, put out there. I know recently at uh, one of the uh, conventions for cybersecurity recently, they had set up a, uh, a virtual satellite and had invited hackers to come in and attempt to hack into uh, the terrestrial system and hack the satellites. Wow. Okay. So the, the fact that White Hat hackers are already looking at this and trying to learn and to determine defenses is telling me that it not only is it possible, beyond theoretical, that uh, people are now trying to understand how to uh, defend against that. You know, much the same that you have the situation with uh, Tesla, who uh, every year is putting out that call to to hackers to try to hack one of his cars. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Have the white hat hackers come in and, and try to sabotage or make the satellite do something else, or even the space station, when you think about it, that could be devastating. It's just amazing to me all the technology that goes into this and all the cyber attacks that could possibly happen. And let's hope nothing major happens in that area. Mm -hmm. If you had a crystal ball, how do you see AI changing supply chain and space logistics? I see that it's going to continue to to push and evolve it in many different areas, not only in the area of development, but also in support. You know, again, on the planet, you already see self-driving trucks supporting uh, systems. You see AI being utilized in warehouses for more efficient picks. I see all this technology fundamentally going into space. And, you know, if we put a base on the moon or Mars, the same kind of technology is going to be used. Because if you imagine in space, water and air are probably the most precious commodities you have there. But the moment you add an AI in that doesn't need water or air, it becomes a much better proposal and much cheaper and much easier to handle and maintain. So I see AIs expanding. In addition, for example, the Mars rover, the latency between a command coming from Earth going to Mars is about six minutes. And so commands going to the Mars rover take six minutes to get there, six minutes to confirm that it's being done. So with AI, you can eliminate that latency because the AI can continue to uh, go along its its program and address anything that comes up rather than waiting for this human latency for the communications to travel to Mars and back. Wow, that's just fascinating what AI is going to be doing for space and the Space Force and for humankind because I see things 
that happened through um, the space program at NASA ended up with us, such as the microwave. So we've seen a lot of things that happen in space, and I see the space logistics and supply chain helping us terrestrially as well. Robert, thank you very much for joining me today for this episode of Innovations in the Workplace. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And let me tell you that uh, although all these things are happening now, I'm sure that there's a lot more happening in the future. I can imagine. And it will change in the future to something we didn't even think about. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Stay well. For more information about our university, visit us at study at APU.com. APU, American Public University.